Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Tara. Hello, I'm Tara. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Tara. I'm nervous. <laughs> My friends are all here on this rainy Saturday night, um, and uh, I have learned in this program that it's okay to do things when you're scared. So here I am. Um, I've been in this program for six years. I have a little over two years of continuous abstinence. I have um, six years of abstinence minus one day. Um, And I'm super, super grateful that I get to be in this program and I get to come and listen to the stories that others share and uh, be of service. So um, when I'm I'm, I'm filling in for someone else tonight and when I got the email, I thought of my sponsor who said, just say yes, even when you don't feel like it. Um, And it's not that I don't want to be a part of you guys and be a part of the group. Um, It's still, it still um, is is a real privilege for me to tell my story and to reflect on the years I've been in program. So I have my, you know, it took everything in me not to like write something out and to really trust my higher power that whatever I was going to say tonight was just going to come out and it was going to be okay. But I have my my phone here just in case. I have my 12 and 12 um, because I I want for all of those that are new and for those of us who've been in program, to it's it's a wonderful time to be uh, asked to come to this meeting and and share and reflect on the 12 steps. The 12 steps have been of massive importance in my life. Um, and like I said, I feel like it's an honor and a privilege to reflect on what's happened since I've been in program. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of get into it, but I just, off the top of my head, what I was thinking driving here is um, I have raised a good portion of my children in this program. I've separated from my husband of 17 years and gotten a divorce in this program. I've applied and been accepted to grad school in this program. I've been, I've finished graduate school in this program. I've become self-supporting in this program. Um, I've started dating after having been with one man for 20 years in this program. Um, this program has given me a life and given me um, a map that I've ne- I never felt I had before of how do I do this? How do I do this one big, scary, wonderful life? Um, because I genuinely had the feeling as a child that I couldn't even identify um, that I didn't that some everyone else knew how to do this and I didn't somehow I didn't get the instructions uh, I don't know what I'm doing everyone else has it um, and I'm seeing every, some people nod their heads that that's why I come back to this program so I can see that I'm not alone I'm not alone in those feelings um, I often think and I heard someone say in program a long time ago that. You know, there's traumas that happen to us when we're when we're kids. Um, there's bad things that happen, but there's also good things that don't happen. And it, that really resonated with me because when I reflect on my life, I'm like, yeah, there were things that there were bad things happening, but there are also like good important moments. Now that I've had my own kids, 
that I can reflect on that didn't good things that didn't happen, connections that didn't happen, uh, family that didn't happen, and I've learned how to do those things in this program. You guys are my family. This is where I come to learn how to be in a family, how to communicate, how to live my life, um, and be of service. Being of service never even occurred to me. I was in survival mode when I was a kid, and, and when I was a kid, until I was 39 when I entered the program. I was in survival mode, um, making it through and uh, using food eating and not eating as a way of coping with my scary life. Um, I was a super sensitive kid, uh, smart and, and talented and ambitious and scared all the time. I was a bedwetter, daily bedwetter, if that doesn't, I mean, I think some of you, um, you know, I've known, I've known other people in program who've had that. That's, that. that's a thing when you're a kid that just is filled with shame. And it's a miracle that I can even say this in this room and on a podcast, and this is what I've learned here. I've learned massive self-compassion for who I was, how I dealt with things, how I used the food, how I used other coping strategies. Um, that fierce self-compassion has definitely been fostered here by listening to other people share their truth, share their the, the most vulnerable raw, terrifying parts of themselves and having people nod their heads and cry with us and and say it's going to be okay. Um, okay, so I'm going to start with step one. So it's helpful for me to read the step and then I'll think of a story. I've been in program six years, so I know that there's lots of stories in here. We'll see what comes out. <laughs> okay, so step one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. So when I came into program six years ago, see my kids are now 16 and 19, so they were 10 and 13, and um, I was with them in a in a um, in a rock climbing gym, and I was looking at the ropes, and I was actually thinking to myself, those ropes would be a good way to do this. Um, that was suicidal ideation, kind of starting to manifest into a plan, and it was really freaking scary. Because I have two beautiful kids that I love a lot. Um, and I wasn't able to manage the scary thoughts, the, the constant thoughts about myself, my body, the food, what was happening in my life, what was happening in my marriage, you know, what was happening in our finances. It's all connected for me. Um, and I was not able to get out of myself enough to realize, like, I can, I can get through this. I can, there's a, there's a way. Um, but I did remember that my, my therapist, a couple years back, had, had mentioned OA and had said it would be good if you checked out a meeting. Um, and the next day I walked into a meeting in Santa Monica, super close to my house, within walking distance, and I cried through the whole meeting. Um, and I admitted in that, at that moment that I was powerless over food and my life had become unmanageable. I wasn't that much of a different size than I am right now. Um, and in fact, in this program, I stopped weighing myself, which was really helpful for me. And one thing I want to say is that, and the, the reason why I love this 12-step um, program, is that everyone has a different thing that works for them. Everyone has different abstinences. Some people find it helpful to weigh themselves. Some people don't. Some people find it helpful to, you know, weigh and measure their food. Some people don't. And you can tailor make this program to what works for you, um, in my opinion, as long as you include your higher power. As long as I include my higher power, 
I'm not that concerned anymore with where my weight goes, what size I am, um, and that is a freaking miracle. That, that miracle allowed me to go to graduate school because I had spent so much time, mental energy, focused on what my body looked like, what I was doing with my food, that before I really committed to this program, there wasn't space for me to learn and grow in another field. And I really believe that because I came in here uh, and was able to, with the help of fellows, my sponsor, my higher power, um, turn that that part over, uh, I, I was able, I've been able to do so many so many things, and there's so much freedom. Um, oh, it makes me emotional. There's so much freedom in it, and it's tough. I'm not one of those people that doesn't struggle with the food anymore. I'm heavier than I usually am right now. When I walked in here, I think I was making a joke about how I wore my raincoat and it was like a little tight. And I was like, did this coat shrink? Um, and you know, it's okay. Like the fact that I can kind of laugh about it and be like, yeah, my body's a little bigger right now in the winter. Um, and it's okay. Like I, I'm, I, that's, that's a miracle as well. Because I did release a bunch of weight when I first came into the program. Um, I, was, I had a, a little bit different abstinence. My abstinence right now is no sugar as the fourth ingredient. That's what works for me. That was, that's what keeps me from the foods that are not safe for me, candy, sugary things, cookies, cakes, blah, blah, blah. Um, when I came into the program, I needed to have flour on that list. Um, so it was sugar as the fourth ingredient in flour, and I have slowly been able to add back flour. Um, but uh, my weight fluctuates. And my, my, you know, that's, that piece of the puzzle has been a whole, it's so funny, all these, like, kind of euphemisms that we use here, the layers of the onion, it's all freaking true. It's so annoying. Whenever, I mean, I'm sorry to say that on the podcast, another person saying the layers of the onion, but it's so true. It's freaking true, because um, this is a part that I needed to work through, being okay with my body being a different size than um, the smallest size that I have in my closet. And, um... Gosh, that piece is so important for me. Um, and like I said, it's, I mean, this program is wonderful because for some people, it, that doesn't work for them. And for me, this, it, it, this is something that I needed to work through to be, um, to be in love with myself at all sizes. Uh, and I feel like this year, this has happened. I'm not talking about a huge weight fluctuation. We never are, right? We're talking about our like little, you know, little bits that are going up and down. Um, I never am, anyway. Um, okay, so we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. So I did that. That was that was intense. Getting to that point, coming in. Um, Two, I came to believe that a power greater came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I didn't have too much of an issue with the higher power. I, I've always, I think, believed there was a higher power, but I just didn't believe that it was for me. Um, I didn't connect it to myself, which, when I reflect on it now, makes a lot of sense because I didn't learn how to connect when I was a kid. So connecting to to people to um, you know, loved ones to, to partners, that was difficult. Connecting to a higher power who, you know, it loves me all the time no matter what, I still forget to do that. I still forget to do that. Actually, you know, I have been struggling. I struggled with the food over the holidays, and I've had a relief in the past week. And the relief has come from simply in my morning med- meditation 
saying, God, I'm struggling with the food right now. Can you help me? That's all I've been saying. Just that one sentence out loud, and I've had relief this week. It's amazing. Like, I don't, I've been in this program six years. My sponsor has told me this almost every time we meet. Ask your higher power for help. I still need to be reminded. I still need to come to meetings and listen to podcasts and hear the message so that I can remember. You have a higher power that you can reach out to. Um, three. Gosh, there's so much I could say on each one, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go through and then we'll see where we, we end up. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. So it's interesting, I, I did the 12 steps in the first year, a very thorough 12 step with my sponsor in the first year I was in program, but I mean, step three is something that, like I just explained, I, I need to do on a daily basis. I need to connect with my higher power and say, I'm struggling with the food, can you help me out every day? There's a second piece to that that I think is like asking for help, um, you know, as a protection mechanism for myself when I was a kid, I was just like fiercely independent. You know, don't ask for help and you won't be disappointed. Rely on yourself and then if anything happens, it's your fault. That's the message I think I was telling myself. Um, so, yeah, turning my will in my life over, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's that, that, I need that daily reminder. Um, and when I am able to do that, it's the, 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 the relaxation that I feel emotionally, spiritually, physically is, I get so much relief when I'm able to be like, okay, I'm going to just turn this over. It's so hard. What does that even mean? Turn it over. I don't know. I still don't know what that means. I act as if a lot of the time, it's another thing my sponsor just said, like, you don't have to know everything. <laughs> you just, you know, it's working for people. If you see something that's working, just act as if. And this is what I do. Um, I act as if it's going to work for me because I still don't know what turning it over means. It's so hard. I hold so tightly to things. Um, and for me, I actually have to visualize like what it is for me to turn it over. I'm holding on to something tightly and then I just release my hands. That's for me. That's me turning it over. I'm holding on to getting this job so tightly and then I just release my hands. What I'm doing for the podcast people is like I'm making a fist and then I release it. I feel so much of this this disease in my body. Um, it's helpful for me to make make motions and and kind of move, um, because I can like you know talk about nutrition. I mean, a lot of us have been there. Food, what to eat, what not to eat. I've I've known these things since I was a kid. I mean, when you're when you have food issues, you know all about food. I can tell. I can intellectualize it, but when I actually feel it in my body, I move my body, I, I think, what am I, what is, where, where do, what is my body feeling? That's where I really get the image of turning it over. Um, okay, four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Uh, that's a scary step. That was scary for me. Um, still scary. I still do a tenth step, which is kind of similar to this fourth step, um, almost weekly. Um, going through all the, sh the stuff, I'm not supposed to say the SH word on the podcast, going through all the stuff, um, all the, the inventory of my life, of um, where, I, where I've hurt people, where I've been hurt, um, that's intense and super important to, to my recovery, to like, you know, 
searching for that self-compassion through all the shame, through all the stuff. Um, you know, I was left alone to process a lot. My, my mom was a single mom. She worked three jobs. My dad, um, my parents were like hate Ashbury hippies um, in San Francisco. And, you know, they had a, a lot of love to give and not very many parenting skills. And so left alone to kind of process what was happening in our lives, like, the, you know, I saw drug use, I saw death, I saw, you know, crazy stuff happening in the, in the 80s that um, doesn't really happen anymore <laughs> a lot. Um, but I was left alone to process, and food was a really easy way to pro- for me to process that going to the pantry, stealing candy out of the, I lived in a small town and I knew how to steal candy from the, from the um, can't, small town candy shop. Um, all these little things, all these little, uh, when, I, when I got older and in high school and I, and I, mind you, I think I said I was a straight A student, you know, I was a dancer, I was top of my class, I worked for a doctor's office, I stole painkillers from the doctor's office. Um, you know, all these things that come out in the inventory, and I was trying to track down that doctor I worked for. It turns out he had passed, and I wrote a letter uh, to him, and that works in, in the inventory. Um, worked for me anyway. Um, but, you know, those are things I hadn't thought about for years. I hadn't thought about, you know, in my, in my original story before program, I worked for five days a week for a doctor's office. That was the story. The story that I stole Vicodin from the office was not part of it. Um, and, you know, again, I, after I, uh, one of my first jobs out of, out of college, I went to UCLA, graduated, had a job in the entertainment industry, and they were overpaying me. And um, I guess this, is, this, this kind of goes back to step nine. So maybe I'll skip this story for step, step nine because it's a good step nine story. Actually, I'll tell it now because I have another step nine story. So um, I, I was, for, first of all, the, the, you know, you're doing step four and five. It's terrible. It's painful. At least it was for me. I mean, I would be, step four, you write everything out. Step five, over at my sponsor's house. It doesn't have to be your sponsor, but I chose to, to, to talk with it, it through with my sponsor. Um, talking, you know, talking through my inventory and just, you know, not in my stomach, pain in my chest, then driving to pick up my kid from school. I mean, it was terrible. Like anyone that that doesn't that says that doing step four and five is <laughs> it's therapeutic. Yeah, it's horrible. It's it's painful, um, and it is therapeutic, and it's a part. It's a necessary piece of the process of, of the twelve steps. I mean, they're they're there for a reason. Um, and we didn't rush. You know, we took breaks. It didn't happen in one day. But we got through steps four and five. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, back to the story of the, the production company that I worked for that was overpaying me. And then they finally found out, and I lied and said I, I never knew that they were overpaying me. That they, I, had to, it was, I had direct deposit, so the check was going right into my bank account. I mean, I'm a poor kid. I knew every cent I was getting and why, where, I was, where it was coming from. Um, and, uh, I, you know, 20 years later, went to that production company, um, made my amends there. I know this is part of step nine, but also part of steps four and five. Um, terrified, 
in Burbank, drove from Santa Monica to Burbank, sat outside the production company and thought, what the hell am I doing? What the hell am I doing? And then I sat with it and I asked my higher power, like, am I going to get arrested? What the heck is going to happen when I tell this company that I basically, you know, stole from them? And I walked in um, and talked to the woman in charge and she was like, don't worry about it. This is amazing what you're doing. Don't worry about this. This company is, 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 that part of the company shut down a long time ago. You would never be able to repay them. And so what I said I would like to do is make a donation to a charity in their, in the company's name. And she said, yeah, that would be great. Um, and that's what worked for me. Everyone can do this in their own way, in their own process. But when I sat with how I wanted to do this amends, um, and, this is this is what came out. And, I mean, mind you, in steps four and five, I was like, there's no way. There's no way I will, I'll, I'll do this amend. This is like something that I'll just, I'll write another letter or something and just burn it, and that will be my amend. When I was in steps four and five, I, I just didn't know how to do, that, how, how this was going to come to be. And you don't have to know. Like, this is the wonderful thing about people who've walked this path before us and people um, who are walking with alongside us. Like, you don't have to know. Other people don't have to know. You just have to, like, pause. The pause. Oh, I love the pause. The pause that I learned in this program. And I, th I think growing up in kind of fight or flight in this, in this like, you know, I was pretty scrappy, poor kid, free hot lunch, the whole thing, um, but smart with good looks, so kind of got in, in with the good crowd. And so I knew how to kind of wiggle things. And... Um, um, oh my gosh, where am I going with this story? Hmm. <laughs> okay, don't know where I was going with this story, but step four and five, we'll come back to it. Um, I hope that people who do this this speak know that every time I make a mistake, I'm like, oh, that just allows others to make a mistake. It's okay. And that's something that I learned in this program, too. So I lost my train of thought, so whatever. I'm going to let it go. We'll get back on. Um, but... Did I wrap up the, the production story? Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, made the donation um, and, and moved on. And um, the, 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 I'm going to get through steps seven and eight, six, seven, and eight, but um, also had another piece on there doing my fourth and fifth step. I um, have been no contact with my dad, who I said, I said was a um, kind of hate Ashbury hippie type. Um, what I didn't say yet is that he smokes weed every day, and I have never seen him sober. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, like, I'll, definitely people who smoke weed are different from alcoholics, but um, the feeling that I get is that, you know, that it just doesn't feel, it's not, it's a feeling of safety. I never, I've never felt safe around my dad. I've never felt a connection. Um, and um, it's hard because he's outside of himself in, in a way a lot of the time. So I've been, I decided to, um, with my outside help, go non, no contact with him about 10 years ago. And, um, you know, he came up in my fourth and fifth step. And I just thought, like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't see myself reconnecting, but, like, that's not necessary. And my sponsor was like, okay, we'll just, just pause. And I've been in, like, a six-year pause with that. So I, I haven't reached out to him. Um, for six years until last week. So I'm going to tell that story in step nine. Um, <laughs> um, however, step seven is really important. Six, six and seven. 
six and seven, I felt like, you know, when I did my steps six and seven, we kind of kind of slid through these steps a little bit. Um, and now I'm doing, I can mention, I think, Drop the Rock, right? Because it's part of the OA literature. Anyway, I'm doing this. <laughs> this it is part of the OA literature. I'm doing um, a Drop the Rock study. If you haven't purchased Drop the Rock, I suggest it. Um, it focuses on step six and seven in depth. Um, and character defects, which uh, when you, when I, you know, coming from a kind of perfectionistic, highly critical of myself place, the words character defects um, rubbed me the wrong way because I was already critical of myself. I was already self-loathing, already had a lot of shame. Um, so I thought, like, why do I need to focus on the character defects? That's just that's just a crappy place to be for me. Um, and step six and seven is where I really learned, like, that fierce self-compassion. Like, can I have compassion for myself when I'm in my defect, when I'm angry or grumpy or, you know, um, worse, which happens, you know, not as often anymore, but before program, I can say that I was pretty dysregulated a lot of the time, and I still didn't know how to manage um, the, the feelings of shame. It was mainly shame that drew, drove me to the food. Um, so, looking at those character defects with compassion and purpose and thank you for for thank thank you perfectionism you got me through a lot and now it's time to let you go you've done your your, your service and it's time to uh, for me to move on from the perfectionism um, and then realizing that like that's going to come back it's going to the perfectionism will be released in your not in your time. So, you know, and it comes up, and I see it in my kids now. I see the perfectionism coming through. Um, and it's, it's really humbling. Um, and perfectionism is like, I don't know, this is just my opinion. All of these things, just my opinion, just my suggestions. Perfectionism is like one of the nicer character defects. Like one of the not, not nicer character defects is like, rage, jealousy, you know, those kind of character defects that come up also a lot. Um, looking at rage, you know, where did the rage shift from? When I wasn't raging anymore at my kids or at my now ex-husband, was I raging at the people, other people in L.A. on the highway? Yeah, I, I, I do that. <laughs> and I, it's humbling to look at character defects and ask them to be removed and then have them come up again. Um, okay, I'm looking at my time, and I'm also looking at my notes to see, because I, okay, made a list of persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all, became willing, so this is the piece that is big for me, the list was pretty easy, like, I have my list, my dad's on that list, the doctor, the, the, um, production company in Burbank, um, you know, a number of ex-boyfriends, um, my sisters, 
my ex-husband did a long nine-step, did a nine-step with my mom that was really transformative. She had been in prison. I had never heard her own story of how she was in prison. She told me the story. Super transformative. Um, and then my father, who um, I suspect has a number of mental disorders um, and still smokes weed on a daily basis, um, he sends me a happy birthday text every year for the past 10 years. It's the only communication we have. Happy birthday. Um, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, he's a narcissist. He says happy birthday because it reminds him of the day his first child was born. Um, that's another character defect to look at, but we already moved past that part. So um, he, he gives me this birthday text, and this year on my birthday, my 46th birthday, I said something like, I was waiting, my kids and I go to sushi, my birthday is December 27th, it's my natal birthday, and now it's my OA birthday date, um, made probably because I, I never celebrate my birthday, so it's nice I have this OA birthday date and my natal birthday, and we, go to, we always go to sushi, and we're waiting for our sushi uh, table, and I replied with, look, our relationship has been through a vortex, but if you ever feel available for reconnection, let me know. And he replied, I have felt available for that for a long time. And then a couple weeks went by, and last week, um, talking it over with some fellows and, a, and my sponsor, I was like, a few weeks have gone by now, I'm getting anxious, and you know, this is a wonderful thing about program. The advice was great. Just name it. Name it. And so I sent him another text, feeling anxious, but also excited about reconnecting. Let me know when's a good time. He called me immediately. And I was like, okay, guess this is the time. This is not all not time to sit in my, you know, but it was, it was the time. My higher power was like, yeah, answer. So I answered and I talked to him for an hour. I hadn't heard his voice for 10 years. Um, he's the same. And I've changed. And so the conversation was great. And, um, I know, I, like, ugh, makes me choke up. Um, and he's in his mid-70s. I mean, he could live another 20 years or he could die tomorrow. And now we've reconnected. Um, it's a miracle. It's a freaking miracle. And um, I learned how to take care of myself in this program. And I could take care of myself in that hour-long call. He didn't ask me about myself. He didn't ask me about my divorce. He didn't ask me about my um, graduate degree that I just got a few months ago. Um, but I could truly get off the call and be grateful for I've talked to him. And that is, I know, that is not me. That is my higher power. That is program. That is not... Um, oh, a lump in my throat. I have my tea right here, so I'll take a little sip. That, that, that is not me. That is the miracle of the program. I told you I had a good ninth step story. Okay, so where are we at? Step 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. I think this is the biggest one for my kids, my teenagers. Um, when I'm like, when I say like, actually, I was wrong. Sorry. Oh my gosh. That's a big one. And... Um, Something that they said over the holiday break is actually, we had, we're having a conversation about this, about admitting when you're wrong and being okay with it and how it, it can sometimes bring about such great conversation and how people are really afraid to say like, oh God, I was wrong there. Um, and they were both like, mom, it's so rare. Like it's normal in our family, but it's actually kind of rare outside. And um, 
sometimes I get, you know, <laughs> I've been in, I have two 12-step programs. Um, I go to many different meetings during the week, and I'm kind of steeped in 12-step, and so I kind of forget sometimes what it's like out there, but my teenagers will remind me. Um, and uh, this is something that, you know, I will, con- that continues to show up in my co-parenting. I mean, I co-parent with my ex now. We've been separated for three years, divorced. And um, to be to, to be able to say, like, ooh, I was wrong about that, or make space for him when he's wrong, this is another piece, I think, of step 10 that's really important for me, making space for other people when they're wrong. Um, bef- before, and this ties back to self-compassion, when I didn't have compassion for myself, how... I just I was so intolerant of other people making mistakes, of other people, um, of other people, yeah, being wrong. God, I used to it used to drive me nuts when my kids would forget something. I mean, they're kids. Everybody forgets things, uh, and I would get so. How could you forget this? It's so expensive. This. How could you forget this at school? And like. This is just something that's changed me entirely. Step 10. Whew. Wow. I like, got a little sweaty. This program, I, I told you, this is such a, it's such a gift to be able to reflect on the steps. Um, okay, step 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Um, I am a very inconsistent meditator. I last spring did like 90 days straight of meditation, and I thought, I'm never going to stop. This will continue forever. Yeah, I do fall into that like black and white thinking that's mentioned every once in a while in the 12 steps. Um, I then have had months where I don't meditate, and I don't feel that good. And I know if I meditate, I'll feel better, and I still don't meditate. This week, I've been meditating, and I feel better. I feel happier. Um, we just need reminders. I need a reminder to meditate. I need a reminder that that's how I find my conscious contact, because uh, I'll forget. I'll forget that I have a higher power available for me to work things through with, talk things out with, ask for help, uh, ask for willingness, um, and that's okay. Like, the thing I love about being a sponsor is reminding people that it's okay to be, to not show up to the program perfectly. Um, I think a lot of us are perfectionists. Like, I look at everyone out here, I'm like, we're all perfectionists in certain ways. And, like, there's no way you can do this program perfectly. Because so many people do it in so many different ways. If you think you have to do it in some kind of perfect way, that would mean, like, you know, making an amalgam of all the ways everyone does everything for this program, it's just impossible. Um, I need that conscious contact, and I need that to carry the message that it's okay to, to show up imperfectly. I'm just thinking of my all the, the, the small little flubs I did. I still can't remember what I was talking about when I went off track during this podcast. And it's okay. Like, it's imperfect. And I love myself through it. That's, that's all this program. 
All right, let's do step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our, our affairs. Um, I think the spiritual awakening is not one thing. It's, it's like little, little daily pieces that I get where I feel like, that used to hurt, and it hurts a little less now. That used to be difficult, and it's still difficult, but I can do it. There's just these micro uh, progressions that I get in this program that I get to notice um, because I see you guys doing them. I see somebody who's really struggling still showing up for, for meetings. I see people gain and lose weight in the program and, and keep coming. Uh, I see people lose partners, lose family members, um, and they show up, and they sit in the back of the room, and they cry through the whole meeting, but they're there. Um, these are my spiritual awakenings. You guys are my spiritual awakenings. Um, and I feel really um, thankful and honored that I get to carry the message, that I get to work with sponsees, that I get to have a drop-the-rock meeting with my group of women that I sponsor and that people they sponsor come, and I get to be connected in that way. I didn't mention that I have two sisters um, that I'm not very connected to. They're also um, they're also addicts, and um, our relationship has definitely improved in program. I'm pretty boundaried with them. We have a relationship, which is wonderful. Um, but I, the people who are my family and who are my, who I have that kinship connection with are the people in program. And, um, this is step 12 to me. This is the family that I've built, that we've built together, that we continue to build, that will carry on after I'm gone. This is a huge, huge blessing in my life. And, um, yeah, the 12 steps and 12 traditions, I do my best to, 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 to follow and to, to carry them through and to bring them into the other aspects of my life. And then when I fail, I just love myself through it and, um, and I keep coming back. Um, so I think I will... Is it time to stop? It must be time almost. Five minutes? Okay. Let me think. What else do I want to talk about? We did the 12 steps. Ooh, yeah, that would be great. I love this group, so I would love to have questions. I love all the groups of but the people here tonight in this rainy night are especially special to me. Okay, so yeah, do we have any questions? Yay, thank you. Yay. Thank you so much. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what your bottom was that brought you into OA? And if you could just repeat the question. Yeah, the question was, could I tell a little bit about the bottom, what, what the bottom was that brought me into OA? Um, the bottom was feeling suicidal and knowing it's because it was because um, my life felt super unmanageable, and a lot of that was how much time and energy, mental energy, I was spending on what I looked like, what size I wore, what my body looked like, how I compared my body to other people. Um, living in LA is freaking tough with that for me, um, and. It didn't feel like there was a space for other things. It didn't feel like there was space for my husband, for my kids, um, for 
for play, for joy. It was taking up so much space. And I can only think that my higher power was like, this is, you need to go here. And I remember my therapist saying, like, you should check out OA. At the time, I actually was living in Northern California, and the, the, there wasn't a close meeting. And when I finally looked online and I saw the meeting was, like, a few blocks away from my house, I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. Just go check it out. Um, I think you might have been in that first meeting, but um, it's just, it's a miracle. It's a freaking miracle that I got here and that, you know, the bottom for us, sometimes we kind of compare ourselves to other 12-step programs, but, I mean, it's, it was, I hate, it, it sounds dramatic, but it's life and death sometimes. Like, being in that room with my kids, my wonderful, beautiful daughters, and thinking about ropes that, you know, could be used to, it's, it's, it's you know, suicidal ideation, which a lot of us, I mean, I've only, I'm only able to say that and know that it's okay to say, because I've heard other people say it, and that normalized it for me, and helped me be like, okay, other people have been in that dark space, and this is a program that helped them through it. I haven't had that thought since that day. Um, I've had dark thoughts in program, yeah, but not, and nothing like that. And um, I'll keep coming back because of that, for sure. Thank you for that question. Yes. Um, what helps you when you're in indecision? Like, you ever feel like, what am I supposed to do right now, God, like, type of moments? Oh my I feel like I get that a lot, so I, like, I just wonder if you have anything specifically that helps you with that. Um, the question is, what do I do with indecision? Um, gosh, what's coming to mind right now is, and a lot of you know this about me, like, I, um, on the list of things I've done in program, downsized. I had to move. I, I moved from the apartment that I was in when I was married to a much smaller apartment. Um, and I just didn't know how I was going to do I was looking and looking. I wanted to find the perfect place. And then I was questioning myself, do I find the perfect place? It's not showing up. It's taking much longer than I thought. It's really tough to be in indecision. Um, and I had to talk it through a lot. I went to a lot of meetings. I cried to people. People heard the same story over and over. I had to talk to myself and say, it's fine. It's fine that they keep hearing about how I... I have a lot of trauma around moving. I was actually... We were, my family was homeless. We were living with friends for four months when I was in fourth grade. I didn't even register it as experiencing homelessness until a therapist once said... Yeah, you experience. You didn't have a home for four months. You were living out of a suitcase on the floor of a friend's house. You experienced homelessness. Um, so I have a lot of a lot of stuff around moving. Um, <laughs> oh, I also hate it when people say this because I had to work through this. This is part of it. Like I moved into this smaller place and everything was okay. Like I had to get. I had to. I had to get through all that indecision. All that, it was so hard. I mean, there will probably be people on this podcast, because I went to so many meetings talking about this over and over and over. I had to talk about it until I didn't need to talk about it anymore. And this is the wonderful thing about this program, right? You get your allotted time to share, and nobody comments on it or tells you, it gives you any um, insight or, you know, advice. Oh, I love that about this program. <laughs> Thank you. I guess that's it. Thank you all.